Performance Podcast, providing you with the performance training, college scholarships, coaching education, and elite athletic development. Now, your host, your host, Seth Boomsma. What's up, everybody? Back with another episode on the Boom Athletics High Performance Podcast. As the intro said, I'm your host, Seth Boomsma. Today we're sitting down with one of my favorite dudes, Karst Hunter of Colorado Mesa University. He's the quarterback up there, but he's also one of our employees here at Boom Athletics. He just finished up his summer internship as he heads back to Mesa, Colorado here this past week. We were able to sit down with Karst, discuss a little bit about his journey from all the way from youth sports through high school to college that led him to an outstanding season here at as the quarterback here at Colorado Mesa. We touch on a lot of training aspects of what he likes as both an athlete and as a coach and what his internship experience has been like here at Boom Athletics over this summer. We really appreciate Cars taking the time to sit down with us before he took off and we hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's dive into it. Cars, thanks for being on the podcast with us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's been a long time coming because I know we wanted to do this one for a while. You're interning with us this summer, and the gym has been insanely busy, so it's it's nice to finally fit one in here on a Friday afternoon. Uh, why don't you give our audience a little bit of background of who Karst Hunter is and, and what you've been about? Um, well, I graduated Miller in 2019 and went on to play football at South Dakota State uh, for my first two years. Uh, after my second year at South Dakota State, I transferred out to Colorado Mesa in Grand Junction, Colorado, where I'm still at, playing football there. Um, I'm just back for the summer, like you said, interning here. Um, leaving next week to go back out to start practices and workouts and everything, and get ready for the season this fall. Yeah, so I kind of want to give you know the people at home or are driving around listening to this pod kind of how we know each other and how we cross paths. So my family, my mom's a Miller High School grad, and my dad had a, half his family graduate from Miller High School. So there's a little bit of connection there. My grandma lives in Miller. I have more family, extended family in Miller. But when we actually crossed paths was I first started Boom Athletics in 2018. So I was still kind of competing as a professional uh, on the track scene. And I started kind of getting boom rolling. And my cousin, Kevin Kane, shout out, brought me down to run some sessions. And he's like, yeah, I got a couple high schoolers that I want you to work with as well. And lo and behold, Karst shows up along with Jarrett Kindle, who's another one of the athletes that's been working with us for quite some time. You were a junior in high school at the time, and that's when we first met. And I remember you, we ran you know, some 40s on the track, did a lot of technical type stuff. So you really, you were one of the first athletes, you know, that first handful of athletes that really I was able to have the good fortune to work with. What was that experience like for you going from that junior in high school then to now being, you know, four years later to now doing an internship with us and still being a part of Boom. Um, it's crazy because when you talk about that and talk about that story and how we met, um, I still remember that. So it's not that far ago, but time kind of flew by. Um, but from then till now, I would just say working with you during your workouts um, when I'm back or have time from college or high school, um, it's just you can really see a difference when you actually put your head down and commit to something. Then, um, you know, just learning the technique and having you break it down and really 
teach us things that we didn't even know we needed to do, um, workouts that we didn't even know about. Um, so learning all that and then doing it now and being more mature about it and kind of being four years down the road working with you, kind of know how you work and know how your workouts are. Um, it's, I don't know how to say it. Um, it's been a really good thing working here. Yeah. And, and I think I have to bring this up. You obviously played football in college, an outstanding football player, your conference freshman of the year this year. Um, lots of football con- accomplishments. But we have to bring it up because you broke the high school scoring record of my uncle, Troy Boomsma. Mm-hmm. He had 47 points. You dropped a 50-piece mm-hmm. in high school. So you're also you know, a multi-sport athlete as well. Uh, first team All-State um, on the court. Also you know, have several school records on the track as well and relays and stuff like that. Take us through a little bit of your high school journey and kind of what that was like and really kind of finding your sport, you know, leading you to football. Yeah, so um, it's kind of, I wouldn't say unique, but it's a little different. Um, My family is heavy basketball background. Um, My sister played, oldest sister played college basketball. um, And then my other sister played basketball. My dad, mom, everyone in my family played basketball. So we're really a basketball dominant family. Um, So that was kind of my first love was basketball. Um, I always did football too. Um, I loved all sports. And then once I got to high school, um, I really started to focus on trying to figure out what sport I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to go play collegiately. I just didn't know what sport I really wanted to do. And then um, our football coach at the time, um, Will Castle, um, he kind of told me that um, if I just worked hard and kind of tried to pick a sport, um, I'd have a bright future. And he really helped me in the weight room, getting stronger, kind of introduced me to lifting when I was young and got me into that and then helped me with camps during the summer. Um, but I would really say because of just my family background and because of Will Castle um, is where it led me to play college football. I kind of fell in love with that game and just kind of the family feel to that and just what I get out of it personally playing the game of football. Yeah. What what type of influence has Coach Castle had on you? Because he, now he's at Watertown High School, right? Yeah, he's at so Watertown. What type of influence did he have on you as, as a young high school kid? Um, just basically just um, installing that confidence. Um, just every day, like, always pushed me to do better because um, he knew the potential I had even when I was younger. Um, and just really just following alongside him and him pushing me every day and um, having me do workouts, whether it was after practice or before practice or in the morning before school. He was always telling me what to do and how to get better. Um, and basically just being that, um, just a really good coach who would help me help break down the game and really mm-hmm. um, teach it to me slower. Um, he, wasn't, he wasn't a quarterback by any means, um, but he just knew the game of football. And we would talk a lot of football every day. And um, he just helped me really just stay confident in myself and just push me to new heights. Yeah. So you come from a very sports background family. Your dad was also a coach. And I know you and I have a lot of like South Dakota sports history talks, you know, about different things, you know, and your dad coached like the 05 state tournament run. You know, I was, you were really young. How old were you? I was four. Yeah. And I was, I was like a fifth or sixth grader at that time because I remember going out to Rapid watching and I remember seeing Miller and obviously, you know, going back to Miller for family Mm -hmm. events and stuff like that. So you're always kind of like a secondary fan there in Tri-Valley. My high school was also in the state tournament as well. Miller had a good run, beat number one St. Thomas Moore, mm-hmm. went on to lose in the state championship. What what did growing up around sports like that, did that like just feed your fire a little bit more or was it just always kind of there? 
Um, no, I definitely, I definitely feed the fire a little bit. I'm um, just seeing those great athletes come through Miller. Um, like you said, that 05 team, I really don't remember it at all, really. I was mm-hmm. really young. But just hearing about it and watching videos of it and then seeing other great athletes come through Miller, um, it just kind of, as a kid who wanted to play sports and wanted to be great at the sports he played, it just pushes you to push through the levels of trying to break their records. Mm-hmm. Um, they had many great teams, uh, 2005. Um, we had a team in like 2012 go to the state tournament or somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of kids on those teams had records, football records, basketball records, track records, and just them kind of laying down the foundation in Miller for my generation of kids that came through. Um, it just, it just they led the way, and then we just kind of followed through with keeping the standard in Miller. Yeah. Miller's had a lot of really good male athletes come through there. Who would be your top five male athletes that have ever come through Miller High School? That I remember? <clears throat> yeah, that you remember okay. or maybe you've heard about from, from your parents or, or anything like that. Oh, um, <clears throat> man. Um, I would have to say, okay, yeah, we'll can, go from You my, can include yourself, too. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll go with, like, the family, too. Um so the Johansson brothers were really good. I was way too young, never even watched them play, but I've heard a lot about them. They mm-hmm. high jump seven foot. Um, they were really good basketball players, I've heard. Um, you got uh, Chad McGow, who was a really good basketball player. Um, and then obviously your, your uncle was up there too. Um, but as far as I remember, uh, Darren Paterka mm-hmm. is probably – the number one in my eyes just from he that's who I grew up watching um he's the one who set all the basketball records um pretty much has all of them almost um him and then you got the 2005 team of you know Adam Paterka uh, Michael Prince Tom Schrader um Brett Belke all those guys mm-hmm. um Brian Schwartz came Brian Schwartz there, was in there um, played for the Jaguars at yep. one point so that's not really five, but yeah, that would kind of be yeah. a broad list of who I don't really know if I can get five. And yeah. I've done it before. I've done it in the past. I've wrote down my top five. Yeah, it's and it's really crazy actually when you think about Miller and how many good athletes have come through there. You know, because they had what year was it when it was like the one class system and they won the the South Dakota state basketball title? Was that was that like seventy two? Seventy one? Yeah, seventy two? Around like there. That. So I mean, there's been a lot of really good high school athletes that have come through Miller. Um, you know, you mentioned one of the Johansson brothers, one of them still tied with the state record to mm-hmm. this day, like seven, one and a half, um, both, you know, big time athletes and stuff like that. But you played nine man football in high school. What was the nine man game like? Uh, it was different. I love explaining this to people because not everyone has it. A lot of people have like eight man, um, but we mm-hmm. got nine man here. Um, it was different to the fact, obviously you got two less people in the field, but it's just, it's just fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, it's high scoring. It's fast paced. There's not many. There's not many people on defense or offense. So if you, if you can get the edge, you're gone. If you got speed, you can use it. Um, you don't. Re- you don't necessarily have to have big linemen to help you out. You just got to use your speed. Um, it's all I ever knew. I only played nine man so until college. Um, but I would just say it's just it's faster paced because there's less people on the field. So there's a lot more big plays, um, and it's it's a great time. Yeah, I love it. So, your transition to Division One football after that—you know—you mentioned you played at SCSU for a couple of years. What was that like? 
Um, it was it was a big change. Um, I would say the biggest thing to me that I had to learn was just the speed of the game. Um, mm-hmm. As a quarterback, um, you got to fit throws into tight windows, and at that next level, the windows are tighter and they close faster. So you just got to anticipate more, be quicker with your decision, and just really just be confident when you go to make a play. Um, and then just being around those type of athletes and that caliber of players in the weight room, on the field, um, in the meeting rooms, just learning the game on a way deeper level that you thought you knew in high school, but then that next level, you really start to learn the game and the breakdown of it and mm-hmm. really t- have that to help you with your game too. Yeah. And you played on the in the national championship, mm-hmm. FCS national championship that year. What was that like? It was a great experience. I was <clears throat> down in Texas. Um <clears throat> The weather was great for the day before um, for practices, um, but then when the game started, it was downpour rain pretty much for the whole first half. We had a rain delay, um, and then like COVID, so the, the attendance was like 70% or something like that. But mm-hmm. all in all, it was a great experience. Um, it, the atmosphere was crazy. Um, I've never experienced anything like that. Um, just being there on the field, um, just at the national championship it was crazy we obviously got beat but just to have that experience um it was it's amazing i'll never forget that yeah that all kind of led you to colorado mesa where you're at right now what kind of was the process in you making that decision to enter the transfer portal what was the portal like and what led you to colorado mesa so my second year at south dakota state um they switched me to a athlete is what the title was so it was like quarterback running back receiver um special teams guy um and i loved it um it was a great it was just a kind of a football player Taysom hill type just playing football every day it didn't matter wherever they wanted me i'd go i'd make as many plays as i could and do what i had to do um but so that was my second season i loved it um but just after the season i kind of sat down with my family and just said you know what i just i've been in south dakota my whole life um Mm -hmm. and with covid and everything um it'd just be a good time to try to go somewhere else try to get out um try to just see what else is out there um and i wanted to play quarterback again and so entered the transfer portal like you said um and ended up at mesa but the portal was very different and weird for me because of being an athlete at south dakota state so i was getting recruited for like i had some walk-on opportunities for like receiver and like some i had a linebacker one in there for some reason that was a weird one for me i've only played one year of defense in my life mm-hmm. um but colorado mesa called and um, a couple other schools did but wanted me to play quarterback and i already had a buddy from uh, south dakota state his name was avion thomas he was running back he also went to colorado mesa so then he kind of gave me the insight there and i ended up at out there with him yeah so take us through your first year at Mesa. You know, you were national or conference freshman of the year at quarterback and, and had a really, really good season. Uh, what what was the game like versus the Division One level? Like, was there any transition or, or what was that like for you? Um, so, yeah, people have asked me this before. Um, I would say the speed of the game is a little different, but not much. Um, and the caliber of players isn't that much different either. It's more so... Um, obviously it's D1, D2 and South Dakota State being a top end D1. Um, but I mean, the team we had last year at Colorado Mesa, um, we had a lot of good guys. We had a lot of grad transfers who were from D1 schools. We had a lot of, um, kind of D1 transfers, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would, I mean, there was different, the speed of the game was a little different. It was a little slower at the D2 level. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously there's not as many great 
athletes on the field, but there's still a lot of athletes to go around. Each team has many good athletes, and I mean, it's it's different because D two D one. I mean, it's going to be different, but the speed of the game is pretty much kind of similar, just a little slower at that level. Right. So you guys had a really good season this past this past year, just shy of the playoffs. What do you feel like you need to do to take that next step and make the playoffs and Division two ranks and uh, kind of pursue a national championship at that level? Uh, as a team, uh, we just got to stay focused and stay on our path. We can't let um, nobody else kind of decide our path. Um, and I feel like that's what kind of happened last year. Um, for homecoming, um, well, I'll back up. Third game of the year, we went into double overtime, ended up getting beat. And at the time, it was a big loss, but we didn't know it would play a big factor later in the season, which it did. If we would have won that game, we probably would make the playoffs. Um, and that was a game that we should have won. We kind of we started off good, and then we just kind of finished slow. We just have to maintain the speed of the game for the whole game um, every week. And we can't let um, other teams and other people talking kind of get to our head. We just got to stay focused, stay on our grind and stay on our path and just go week by week don't think ahead to other games like there's bigger games in the year but you just gotta go week by week and just win the week and then from there on um, everything will take care of itself and we'll make the playoffs and then once the playoffs start it's a whole new season yeah new coaching staff right Mm -hmm. yeah so what what has that been like you know you enter the transfer portal you get a new program new coaching staff now all of a sudden second year you're turning then you get a whole new coaching staff again what has that process been like since you found out you're getting a new staff? And what has your relationship been like with the new coaching staff? And how, how do you see things fit for this year? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this new coaching staff that came in, um, they brought a lot of good guys, um, a lot of good mentors, and a lot of good coaches. Um, it'll play a good part this year. I think everyone kind of bought in um, to the new staff and what their purpose is and what their way of coaching is um at at first like in january and end of january february when we started workouts um it was a little rusty but i kind of knew that was going to happen new staff they've never seen us play we've never seen them coach there was going to be some time there to kind of feel each other out until we got comfortable with each other but once spring ball happened we kind of started doing football stuff more football related meetings and everything and we kind of gelled better um and i think going into the summer we had a very good understanding of what we wanted to do um and then in july we'll start these practices again in fall camp um and this new coaching staff um they just they bring the best out of us um and we just keep going with them yeah so i want to back up a little bit because you mentioned that you were an athlete at sasu i I have to let people know how big are you because you know we had like a Big Ten linebacker in here. He's like, "Dang, Carson's a dude, isn't he?" And like, I'm like, "Yeah, he's a big guy." So, how big are you so people can uh, kind of understand why uh, you got switched to an athlete a little bit too? Six uh, four. Um, now, actually, I've gained weight since I came back. I'm probably six four two nineteen two twenty. Um, so yeah, decently and sized. Decent size, <laughs> yeah. Saying it mildly, and, and also. <laughs> extremely athletic too you know you're hitting 11 three and a half high touch on the vertex you know you're about 35 36 37 you know standing vert um 40 what's your 40 at four seven four seven yeah four seven maybe so so i mean you're rolling you know you're moving pretty good uh take us through kind of now we're kind of circling back to where we started now you're interning with us this summer and you're able to train here five days a week and and do all that stuff and also work with a lot of young athletes which by the way the athletes all love you and they love how you can relate to them on all that stuff 
What has the internship here been like for you? Um, it's been a great experience. Um, I've always wanted to kind of stay around sports um, and like the athletic development part of it. Um, and being able to come here um, and intern here and help help coach the younger kids when you guys need help. Um, and also, like you said, working out here five days a week is a big thing. Uh, it's like my first true summer with you being being able to come every day, every week, mm-hmm. and kind of get into the phases and certain blocks and everything. But um, just working with the kids and relating to them, like you said, it's been a great deal. You see a bunch of different athletes, um, different types, girls, guys, um, and just being able to help them reach their goals and reach their dreams because I remember being that age and wanting mm-hmm. to start lifting and wanting to start doing everything. And that's the age where they're starting to like get into high school and everything. And now they want to go play college ball and they want to go do certain things. And just mm-hmm. helping them start that journey is, it just means a lot to have that opportunity. Yeah. What, who has been like probably the craziest athlete you've seen in here? In like here? Who, who has, who has really made you like sit back and say, wow. Cause I I'm like, I'm like the type, I always tell people this, I'm like, I'm not easily impressed just because I've seen it, you know, like not only competing against it, but also training a lot out of very, very high level athletes. I'm just not easily impressed. It's not that athletes aren't doing something insane. Mm -hmm. They're doing something remarkable every day here, but I like, you have to do something really, really good to impress me. And I know you're kind of the same way who, what athlete has really stood out to you that you've kind of seen here in the past month? Oh, in the past month, let me think. I gotta go back to. Um, I got one name in mind, but I'm not going to say it until I kind of think back to other names. Guys I've seen train here. Um, there's been guys I've seen come in here, but I've never watched them train, so I'm not going to include them. Um, I would have to say, I'd probably have to say Porter. Mm-hmm. Um, Porter Enon. Yeah, I'd Lennox probably, High School. definitely. Yeah. Um, I saw the first day I really watched him train, he touched 11-6 on the Vertec, and that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and then... But like you said, it takes a lot to impress me, but that he got me there with the yeah. 11-6. So I'd have to say Porter. Yeah, the, yeah. Cause Porter just picked up an offer from USC Men's yeah, Basketball here that. recently. And, you know, Porter, Porter's one of those guys, when you look at development, and not, you've obviously seen it firsthand with yourself as well. You know, Porter, like when he first started with us, like he was a freshman who couldn't dunk, you know, barely hitting 10-4. Now he's the guy that's hitting 11-6. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, way above the rim. He's 18 <laughs> inches above the rim. Dude's hammering everything. He's he's six five, uh, just freaky athleticism. And I know you've you've seen several other athletes as well. You know, like you've seen like Oliver Vincent from mm-hmm. Sioux Valley, and he's another really good athlete. You've kind of seen him kind of. I've, I've been pulling him back quite a bit, you know. But he's hyper dedicated. You've seen Jacob Knuth, you know, Cade mm-hmm. Larson, Larson, a couple of those Big Ten guys. Yeah. Noah Friedel has yep. been in here, who you knew from SCSU. Um, just a variety of athletes that you've really seen kind of develop. Who has been you know, like your favorite athlete to work with? Um, I would have to say, what's the best in train with or uh, like work to, with? to like work with as a, as a coach here. Okay. Um, uh, Cole, Cole, Cole from Harrisburg. Yeah. Um, younger guy going to be a freshman. Be I believe. Freshman, yeah. yeah. So he's the same age as my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, Cole, I just worked out with him today actually before yeah. my session. Yeah. And, and now leading us to your training, you, you train with a pretty good group as well mm-hmm. here. Uh, what has that group been like for you, allowing you to not only push yourself to the limits, but also kind of, like you said earlier, being able to like do different training blocks and go through the phases of both intensive, extensive, mm-hmm. and, and see the volume differences and stuff like that? Um, it's been really good. Uh, having a group to work out with like we got um, is a big thing. Um, there are certain times where you 
can go individual to really break it down and yeah. like just one-on-one and really help you but as a group together um there's just more energy more intensity more competition with like who can jump higher who can lift more who can run faster um so there's always competition every day especially with our group we're all very competitive we're always talking about who's going to do what better um and then we just push each other every day um some of the workouts we do here are pretty hard um but we just help each other through it um it's been a great time getting to meet some of these guys some of these guys i didn't even know before mm-hmm. i started training here this summer um some i kind of knew i kind of knew Caden a little bit here and mm-hmm. there landon freeman i've met kind of knew too but pretty much everybody else i just met once we started here but we've gelled pretty well and we all love listening together and we yeah. always get working yeah what what has been the toughest workout you've done here I, I've got one in mind. I want to see if you hit on it too. <laughs> oh, I would have to say that the one conditioning day with yeah. Jacob Knuth um, and Kay Larson, yeah, uh, with the prowler pushes and the jump circuit, that was pretty. That might be the hardest one that, I've ever done. That is the hardest workout I've ever written. So, like <laughs> Jacob and Kay, they talked about that on their pod too, and it was like. They did conditioning every Wednesdays, and then we started having you join in those those final few weeks before they took off, and that was one of their, their last workouts. And we obviously built them up to that, but this workout was one of the harder ones we've ever written because when you go to when you go off to college, they're going to try to break you, you know, mm-hmm. like you know oh, that, yeah. you know that, and and especially at those big time schools, yeah, yeah and they, they, to... those guys had to learn, you know, what it's like. You got to push yourself to the absolute limit and not break, and still be able to survive. So. So what we did, you want to we walk walk our audience through that workout? Uh, so he has a multi-jump circuit, which is eight jumps. Um, and so we did those 30 seconds a piece. But we also had prowler pushes, which is just like a sled push down and back. It was like 15 yards on the turf, down and back. And so you do one prowler push, down and back, and then you come over and do the jump circuit for 30 seconds. And then you come back and do another push, and then you go back to the jump circuit for 30 seconds. You do that four times, and then you get a little break. It's like two minutes, but it doesn't that doesn't feel like anything. And then you go right back to it and do four more sets, uh, and then you finish off the jump circuit. So really, you're not getting – what it is is you're not getting a break. Your break is the jump circuit, and that's not even a break. And then your break is the walk, but the walk's only like 10 yards, so you're not really getting nothing. And it was just – I don't know. It's hard to – he'd probably do a better job explaining it, but it's it's a hard, <coughs> hard workout. Yeah, so, and I challenge anybody that's listened to this, any of our athletes, I always joke around with people like, hey, you guys want to do the conditioning that Jacob, Caden, Karst did? And they're like, yeah, like, I'll do it. I'm like, no, just trust me, you don't want to do it. You won't be able to finish it. Like, because it's very, one, it's very high level, and two, you got to build up to it. So, with the jump circuit, we're doing, like, very, like, low-level contacts overall, but it's all ball to foot, and we're going max effort. So, like, if we're doing, like, a side-to-side hop, we're making sure it's max effort, or a lateral bound, or a tuck jump, or an alternating lunge jump. So it's a, eight different jumps. Well, you're going to hit a prowler push down and back, which our turf is about 20 yards. So you, you end up doing almost a 40-yard prowler push. We had, did we have a 25 on that day? It was 25 on each side. Yeah, 25 yeah. on each side. But when you push it back on the, push it back, you push it on the low handle. So the low handle is like super intense and it doesn't look like it would be that bad. But when you actually do it, you're getting at a super low body angle <laughs> and it's absolutely brutal. So then you walk about 10 to 15 yards and then you go on a mat and you do 30 seconds of the jump circuit. And I actually feel really bad for Cade because he had to go first. So, so Karsten and Jacob get a little bit of a rest here, 
before they have to go. It was only about 10 to 15 seconds, but it's still a little bit of time. And you hit your jump circuit, you hit one of your jumps for 30 seconds, then you walk back and you immediately hit your product push. Well, you do that four times, four sets, and then you get your two minute break and that's right on the dot two minutes. We're not lollygagging around, hey, grab your last drink of water and go again. We're like, hey, we're going in five, four, three, two, one type of thing. Then you hit your next four and then you're good. But I remember, and I, and I have video of it and pictures because it was, it was fun to capture. And just how all three of them, once they finish, you know, Jacob runs in here, finds the AC. You know, you have Carst laying on the ground, taking a nap for about 30 minutes. Kay takes her shoes off and lays face down on the, by the uh, platform. It was, it, it was funny to see, but I know how hard those guys worked, you know, for that workout. So, like I said, I challenge all you athletes that train here. If you guys want to try it out. Well, you guys are Go more than right welcome. Ahead. And uh, that two-minute break in between does not feel like two minutes. It feels about like 20 seconds, and you're right back at it. So I, I ask this to a lot of different athletes, and no matter what sport you are, I feel like you always have a welcome to that sport moment. And I feel like for you, there, there had to have been a welcome to football moment. And whether that was something that where you, you may, maybe got like just like knocked out cold, and you're like, okay, I need to start getting my head on a swivel type thing or you had a really really good game or a great play that said you know what i can i can play this sport at a very very high level so i want to ask you what was your welcome to football moment um just welcome to football like high school go back then yeah any level we'll go high school um it actually happened in practice um believe it or not i'll never forget this Um, i was just a little tiny freshman at the time um basically on scout defense um i don't even know if nine men really had scout defense but (laughs) Um, I was out there, little JV freshman, trying to play safety, and um, it was just in practice. Our starting quarterback, Devin Gannat at the time, really good athlete, um, got second at state in wrestling a couple times, really good football player. Um, he was running the ball, and I went to tackle him, and he ran straight through me. Um, I fell flat on my back, and my helmet actually popped off my head. It popped my chin strap off, and my helmet flew off my head, and I had to go pick it up. and. Um, that was like a middle of practice and I was just a little freshman and I kind of had a thought in my head like am I really built out for football maybe I'll just play basketball that was kind of like almost my just gonna play basketball moment but I just kept playing football and um, yeah stuck it out ended up going on to play college but I was I'll never forget that yep yeah it uh, it hurt it was fast I don't even know what happened I was just on my back and my helmet flew off but yeah wait now I want to kind of flip it and now let's go to a positive. What was like one of those moments, whether it be high school or college or whatever, where you made like a good player, had a good game, and you kind of said, you know what, this this is my thing. Like I can do, I can really do this, and I can really take this as far as I possibly can. Yeah, um, sophomore year um, was my first year starting um, in high school, and we had a decent year. But um, for my for what you're asking, I would say my junior year, um, really just. I wouldn't even point out a single play. I would just say junior year as a whole for the season. Um, we had a really good team, um, and we made the semis that year for the first time in like 20-something years for Miller. Um, but I would just say that season as a whole um, really made me realize, like, okay, I got a shot. If I can just put my head down and go, um, I got a shot to do this. Um, we had played really good games. We played close with, like, Bonhomme and a lot of Gregory. Um, we had a lot of good games, but... When we played Arlington in the quarterfinals, um, it was windy, it was cold. Um, we just kind of fought through, battled through, but we all played really good. And 
after that game, we all kind of were like, okay, like maybe we are, maybe we are good, and kind of kind of woke us up, not woke us up, but kind of gave us that extra edge, like okay, if we put our head down, we can go do this for as long mm-hmm. as we want to. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that you and I have always kind of connected on be you know like obviously we connect on you know sports history we love we love athletics we love talking about you know sports and stuff like that and we'll get to that but we have always connected on work ethic we believe in the grind we're built by the grind not by the hype and i think that's something that's very important for young athletes to understand so what who has been some of your biggest influences on work ethic and then how are you teaching these young athletes to kind of build that work ethic and build that commitment to, to reach their next level? Yeah, so um, from a very young age, um, I always looked at my sisters, just the, the work that they put in, going to the gym, shooting around, um, volleyball practice, basketball camps, all that. And that's kind of what got me started. But um, going into my freshman year, um, or maybe going, in, you know, going into my freshman year, uh, Devin Gannat, he was going to be a senior at the time. He would actually come to my house, and if I wasn't up at 6 a.m. to go lift with him, he would knock on my bedroom window until I woke up and then come get me and go work out with him. So he kind of started that, and then Will Castle, too, um, kind of started getting me in the weight room and kind of enjoying the weight room and seeing the progress and seeing how that translate um, to the field. And then, obviously, all the coaches I've had at college and the teammates I had there just pushed each other. Um but honestly, just working out here with you, um, um, that's been a big thing. Um, just the workouts that you have us do, the technique breakdown. Um, you break down lifts, you break down how you run, how you jump, everything. And then you translate it to your sport. So, and that's just really good. And you continue to push us all the time. Um, you know how hard the workouts are. Um, and you know how hard we work. And you know when we're slacking a little bit. And you, you jump on us when we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like that's been a big thing. And um, just learning that learning that from you. of You knowing when we're slacking. It helps us know when we're slacking. So we can push ourselves farther than what we think we can. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's a pretty good point. Because I think that's leadership. And I think a lot of people... If I if I call out an athlete, I'm not calling you out just to call you out. Like I'm trying to yeah. make you better. Like at the end of the day, like if I'm not doing my job and you're on my watch and you're not doing what we're supposed to do, I'm gonna say something. And if you take that personally, that's your issue. That's not mine. I think you need to understand how to have a little bit tougher skin and, and mm-hmm. be able to yeah, absorb that. Sure. Because I'm trying to better better you in the long haul. And that's that's kind of what I've always looked at. I'm, I'm a huge Kobe guy, and it goes back to the Mambo mentality, and his leadership was always kind of that same way, and that's kind of how I grew up, and obviously, I've gotten a lot better with you know being able to manage different personalities and stuff like that, but I think that's kind of the way to go about things. If, if somebody's doing something wrong technically, then and you're just sitting there to the side and not doing anything about it, like, what are we doing here? Like, why, why are we wasting everybody's time? Like, I, I've never really understood that, and I... I know you understand that a lot because you understand the importance of mindset as well. Mm-hmm. What what kind of has led you to the mindset that you've become into now? And what advice could you give to young athletes and how to approach the mindset to really hone in on their craft? Um, really just, um, you. it's all about the crowd that you hang out with. Um, if, you, if you hang around people that don't really care if they win or lose or they don't really care about the work ethic or putting the time in, 
that's kind of where you're going to go to. Um, you're going to kind of gain their lifestyle. So it's all about the people you hang with. you got to hang around people that um, have the same goals and dreams and aspirations as you do, that work hard, that want to go get two days in, that want to go to the field after workouts or go to the field before and after um, and do all the little things. Go watch film, go do this, go do that, um, get the extra work in, and who can take coaching. Like you said, there's a lot of people who, um, when they get yelled at, not necessarily yelled at, but just um, coached, mm-hmm. um, they fall apart because um, they just can't handle it. Um, I just think that you got to learn the difference between um, actually getting yelled at and a coach just being crucial about your yeah. development. And, and, and wanting the best for you. Yeah. And once you find that fine line, um, then you'll start doing really great things. Then you can actually sit there and listen. Because when they're yelling at you for when you did something wrong, they're not yelling at you. They're yelling at you because they know how good you can do. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to get out of you. Mm-hmm. And that's something, too, is now that we're in the we're in the heart of the off season, so no real sports are actually going on. AAU doesn't really count as a real sport, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's It's something that helps you get recruited and so on and so forth and helps you get actual game reps. But it's not something that actually counts for a state championship mm-hmm. or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now we're in the heart of the offseason. We're in the you know late June. So I'm really harping on a lot of our young athletes to kind of learn from the older athletes, athletes like yourself, coaches like yourself, um, and a variety of different athletes. So I'm, I'm starting to like really hone in on a lot of the stuff and making sure we're doing things right. We're being detailed with everything that we do because what can happen in a year for an athlete, especially at the high school level, is insane. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those things where when I look at progression in, in the history of the athletes, the hundreds of thousands of athletes that I've worked with in the past, and I can see their progression, but I can also see the regression. I can see the athletes that don't make the progress that they should be or need to because they're not putting the time. And one of the conversations I've really been having with a lot of young athletes is finding a way. Everybody has things going on. Sports isn't life. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, that I wish I could tell my younger self that because I was obsessed with training when I was when I was you know 17 years old. But sports isn't life. You know we've had athletes do 5 a.m.s, 10 p.m.s, app workouts whenever they can fit it in. Still have extracurricular activities, other sports, um, going to school, work, still having a social mm-hmm. life balance, and all that stuff. So I want to ask you as a as a high level college athlete. What is it like being able to balance everything while still finding a way to take care of your body and still make the progress that you need? It's a lot. Um, it's almost kind of a full-time job. Um, and like you said, once you kind of start slacking on it, you can see the regression. Even in yourself, you can kind of see like, oh, like, you know, I'm losing weight. I'm not as strong as I used to be. I'm kind of slower on the field. Um, but so managing that between, you know, keeping up on your food, eating, your diet, whatever, um, getting your workouts in, going to meetings, going to practice. And then on top of that, um, during the season, you got schoolwork that you got to do. Um, so you got homework that you got to do, late nights, projects. Um, and then, like you said, then you got life and you got the friends, you got the family, you got everything else beside that. So it's a lot. But once you can manage that and kind of get your time management down to where, okay, I'm going to get my workout in in the morning so then I don't got to worry about it for the rest of the day mm-hmm. and I can kind of go on with that. Um, or vice versa or put it in um, it's really just time management once you kind of figure that out you just got to figure it out and um, it'll be a lot of trial and error you're gonna mess up sometimes and you might miss something but um, once you kind of figure it out you'll get a schedule down and that will help a lot and I would say um, my um, my way would be 
get the important stuff done first and then go about your mm-hmm. other stuff. Then, then then you can do all the fun stuff. But get the important stuff done first through the day and then you then you can live life a little bit. Yeah. Because there's, there's always time in the day. There's always, yeah. a, always a way to find something to do. Yeah. I want to transition to, to kind of a fun topic. You and I are both... South Dakota sports historians and stuff like that. We've been around Class A basketball for a while. Mm-hmm. We talked about the 05 Miller team and stuff like that, and that state tournament. My brother and I were actually talking about this a little bit too. And we, you know, I followed Class A basketball since 02 when I was just, you know, like in second or third grade. I remember watching the Sioux Falls Arena and watching uh, that state tournament. My brother and I talked about this, and we were talking about the top players ever to come through Class A. And and this is going to be a, a challenging question, probably for you. But who have been, like, who's your Class A starting five? And this is, obviously, we're not going to date back to before our era or anything like that yeah. because we're both still kind of young guys and, and not, not in, stuck in the 80s or 90s or even 70s and stuff like that. We just don't know the athletes. So no disrespect to those players that played then. We're just going to go era post 0205 era, era and kind of the last 15 to 20 years. Who would be your starting five Class A basketball? <clears throat> oh man, um, man, I gotta. Okay, um, well, I'm probably gonna be a little bit more biased towards my <laughs> high school days or my junior high days, so our mm-hmm. lists are probably gonna be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think you gotta include Noah Friedel in there. Um, now he has. Two state titles, mm-hmm. I think. Um, got I think, some records in there. I think he's there. a shoe in. I think he um, has to be in there. He has to be in there um, for what he did in high school. He he went to three state championships in a row. Won mm-hmm. two of them. Um, his junior year, yeah, his junior year, he was really close to mm-hmm. winning it. So um, I think you got to put him in there. Um, I think Adam Paterka from Miller is another guy that you can add in there. Um, he was a sophomore in 05, so that's going back a lot. But And I never really watched him play, but just hearing stories about him as a sophomore kind of leading that team in 05. Yeah, Adam was good. Um, was solid. I, I watched his cousin, Darren. Um, mm-hmm. So you got to put that. Um, class A, I got to think here. Other teams. Oh, uh, man, I don't know. It's it's tough because you're. I'm trying not to like leave anybody out, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm trying to think of like different people. Um, I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna just do my high school because I have a lot more, <laughs> a lot more. Uh, I've been around them a lot more, so I go Noah again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, personally, I think you add in. I think you do Justin Hone too. Yeah. I think you put Justin yeah. Hone in that category. Him and Noah were teammates in high school. Um, he was a really good guard. He might not have had the numbers that a lot of people look at but him just as a basketball player in general was just really mm-hmm. good and I played with him in some all-star games and just the way he knew the game and broke it down <clears> and everything so him and Noah um uh <laughs> man um you know Tory Brown was a good one in there he's from Pine Ridge um, Native American basketball, him and Ali Rama were really good. Um, so those two are probably arguably in there. But if we're trying to do a starting five, um, Corey Brown could be in there. Um, 
Man, I don't know. That was a hot. Yeah, you, you put me on the hot spot there. I don't know if I can get fun right now. Yeah. So I, I'm like, I'm, I'm a big legacy guy, especially not only like when I look back at my athletic career or any past athletes, but also like current day. I always try to teach athletes, you know, the importance of legacy. And that's where we get back to like the work ethic and all that stuff behind the scenes and being able to find a way. That's what establishes the legacy. So when I look at an athlete and when I look at all-time starting five, I, I look at, one, I want to see postseason success. So you have to make a state tournament. Mm-hmm. I, it, in, like, I know you can have a really good player and have some you know, teammates that aren't up to the state level par. But you have to find a way to make a state tournament. I think that's so important. Like you have to have state tournament success. I think you also have to have a decent amount of numbers. It can't be a lot of, based more on height rather than number, rather than actual pr- production on the court. I think I think like I said, winning's important, and I also think longevity is important. So like when you mentioned like Noah and even Justin, like being able to make three state state championships and have one yeah. runner up and two state titles, that's hard to do. I don't mm-hmm. think people realize that. And that, I go back to like my era, like Liam Duffy, you know, made made a, a, a nice run. Sky Warwick would be in my top five, I believe. He oh, was back to back, back to back state champion. Uh, it pains me to say, but he, he did beat my brother and, and our, <laughs> our Tri Valley Mustangs in double OT. Hit a couple game tying shots, then a game winner in double OT there, like a thirty foot three. Um, you know, like he was Mister Basketball. But I look at a lot of these athletes, and I, I want that longevity. I want that that state tournament success, and I want to see you know how well you produce and how well you raise your team's level. So can I take a player and put them on a different team, and would they have that same success or would they falter? You know, and I, I that's why I like obviously like a current athlete that we're still working with, like Oliver Vincent, like he's been back to back state runner up, um, first team all state point guard back to back years single-handedly basically led his sophomore state team, mm-hmm. you know, down from 18 against, you know, number two Dakota Valley, beat the Mr. Basketball that year um, and did stuff like that. Um, I, I don't think he's in starting five yet. He's still got another year. Yeah, but, like, sure. I, I think that's when you look at longevity, and that's kind of when we get to, like, our NBA conversations that we always have. So Carson and I and, and Caden here at the gym, too, <clears throat> we've been asking a lot of people about who number three all-time is. You know, I think it's... It's like an interesting debate whether you pick LeBron or MJ for number one. We won't we won't talk about that. But number three all time becomes like a very interesting topic. So, Cars, who is your number three all time? So, number three all time. <coughs> I think it really depends how you look at it. How you want to make your list. Um, you had a lot of dominant players, um, but number three for me, it's got to be Kobe. It has to be Kobe. Um, and not just because I'm a Kobe fan. I mean, he has five championships, um, five championships, all-star games, and just Kobe, number three. He was a hooper. He yeah. was a hooper. You can say, like, Shaq was dominant and all this, or you can put Kareem at three because of the scoring title. But I just – Kobe, in that era, he was just dominant. And that was a hard era to play in. And he mm-hmm. I wouldn't, he dominated it, really. Yeah, I think, I think that's another interesting debate that I would – always kind of look forward to um i i don't know who would be my, my number three I, I it's kind of like a three four-way tie because i i like kareem at number three all-time scoring leader just dominant dude in the inside like the most probably the most dominant shot you could possibly have yeah. you know like like kobe would be up there i'm the biggest kobe fan you'll probably ever meet but i still <laughs> don't know if he's number three Shaq would be up there i think he carried Shaq was pretty quite dominant. a few of those titles 
especially that early 2000s run. I mean, he like was unstoppable. There was nothing nobody could do about it. <clears throat> then you also get St- Steph Curry in there with his recent fourth title, greatest shooter of all time. At three, you know, like <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy. Like when you look at the all time uh, list there, and everyone everything's kind of subjective and based off personal opinion, but. <clears throat> we're kind of closing in on this podcast here. It's it's been a lot of fun having you around the gym uh, in the past month here uh, and stuff like that. What has been your favorite thing about Boom Athletics over the years? Um, <clears throat> really, kind of aside from just the workouts, um, just the the personal feel <clears throat> that you get when you come in here. Um, you can, like you said, we have debates every day. We have arguments, conversations, friendly arguments. Um, conversations about anything you can talk about life in here but like you get the work in but then at the same time it's not just like you're not at military camp when you come in here you can you can kind of express yourself you can kind of be you and everyone's going to do that you can talk about whatever laugh this and that um and just that feel that you get when you work out here um that would be my favorite thing Um, it it makes you want to come back it makes you excited to come work out here at boom athletics and it just makes you want to go home tell other people about it to get them to come here um and just that way every all the athletes connect because they're all working the same goal kind of yeah we're about two months away from the football season and what are some of your goals not only this year but also in the the future like the next two three years um i would <laughs> say just do better than last year uh, we, we had a great season we were eight and two and we had a lot of good players um a lot of great accomplishments, but we didn't make the playoffs. And I think that um, kind of ticked some of us off, um, kind of put us on an edge. Um, and I'm not – everyone Everyone wants to win the national championship. That's just how it is if you play college sports. You want to go big. But um, And for me, that's, that's too. But the main thing that I'm focused on is make it to the playoffs. If we can get there, then you get to the dance, and then, then it's up to you. And then you can just play your own season. So I'd say that's my number one goal right now is just do whatever I got to do to get our team there, whether it's going defeated, 9-1, um, and one, whatever. Obviously, 8-2 and two didn't cut it, so we got to do better than 8-2. and two. Um, uh, So make the playoffs this year and then do whatever we got to do. Um, the next couple of years, really just keep progressing. Keep going to that next level um, and don't be complacent. Um, that's kind of one of my biggest fears as an athlete, and I watch a lot of coaches talk about it, a lot of athletes talk about it, is just getting complacent. Once you reach a certain level, a lot of people just tend to kind of fall back and kind of be like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I don't have to work anymore. Um, so just staying away from that and always finding something that I can do better the next year, the next game or whatever to keep progressing as an athlete to get better on the field, off the field, whether it's more athletic or gain more weight or faster, whatever I got to do, just always progress year after year to become a better athlete mm-hmm. on the field. Love that. Love that. Well, Cars, I appreciate you taking the time on this Friday to run a podcast with us. It's been so for much sure. fun having you around the gym here for your internship, and I know a lot of athletes look up to you. Uh, we appreciate you, and we wish you the very best this football season and back when you head back to Colorado. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here.